Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. So Jeff, house prices can only go up, right? I wonder if that holds true for houseboats. Uh, maybe with droughts they go down, I don't know. Today's show, we're talking about Zillow, an online real estate company. Yeah, and as uh, Jeff mentioned, Zillow is a real estate company that ha- helps customers find and sell homes. One of their best-known product features is what they call their Zestimate, which A, is an awesome name, and then B, also helps customers estimate the value of their home. So you can go to you know Zillow.com or the mobile Zillow app, type in your address, and you can get a little estimate of what your house price is. To talk through of what the business model of, of Zillow, just to, to get right into it, Zillow has three primary revenue sources. The first is their homes revenue source, which generates revenue by the resale of, of homes on their on their platform, Zillow Offers, where you can actually sell your home directly to Zillow, and then Zillow flips it. So if you don't want to spend all the time like looking for a real estate agent and just sell your home for a quick sale, you can actually sell it directly to Zillow, mm. something that I didn't know. It's, it's super interesting. The second major revenue source for Zillow is what they call internet slash media slash tech, which feels <laughs> like a very big bucket. <laughs> but this is the core of Zillow's business. So this is all the tools that Zillow provides for real estate agents, you know, to help customers discover homes, help customers, you know, learn the ins and outs of, you know, how much tax you're going to pay, just all of that, you know, advertisement to help real estate agents sell and advertise homes. Lastly, one of their newer businesses is mortgages services. So this helps generate revenue for Zillow by essentially advertising, you know, XYZ lending company to customers that are purchasing homes. So it's a, it's a natural fit. I mean, uh, I think most of our audience might be familiar with Zillow of just, you know, browsing random areas to say, hey, like, what can, you know, $3 million get me in the Bay Area? And it turns out it's a shoebox um, versus $3 million shoebox in, you know, Columbus, Ohio or your Rochester, New York. Yeah, exactly. So it just feels like all these services feel like a natural fit for, for Zillow. Just like anyone that's searching for a home, how can we monetize that? So what all this means is uh, a lot of revenue for Zillow. So in 2019, this is pre-pandemic, Zillow roughly had $2.7 billion uh, in revenue. And they're seeing massive year-over-year growth from 2018. They had a year-over-year growth of 106%. I'm super excited to see how much business they did in 2020, just given that it was such a boom for the housing market with COVID-19 and all of the millennials <laughs> running for the hills and outside of the cities and buying homes uh, in the suburbs. And also just, you know, finally realizing that you're not tied directly to a city with all the, the future of work and, and remote work. So yeah, really, really interesting to, to dive into Zillow here. Yeah, that's super incredible. I think what's um, really interesting to me is, did they mention anything here about specifically realtor services or real estate agent services? Because I know that Redfin offers some of that. Is that something that they do here directly? Or I, I know you mentioned that people obviously list here, but can you actually get a realtor to help you buy an existing home in the market? That's something I've seen other you know online real estate companies do. That's a good question. I actually don't know, um, but I imagine that's a huge like selling point, at least for for Redfin. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if Zillow does match that feature parity of just, hey, I'm shopping for a home. Here's Realtor X. Yeah, you know, it's just like a little head saying, we'll sell your home or like, we'll help you buy a home. Yeah, for sure. And I, you mentioned something that's really interesting, which is like the future of work with respect to COVID-19. I know a lot of folks, at least at my company, that 
have been nomadic for the past few months. And they've been thinking about buying a home. They've been kind of traveling into different places and thinking about where they're going to settle down. So I wonder if there's going to be a big boom with people purchasing homes after COVID-19 kind of lets up as people start to settle their roots down. It's going to be interesting to see what companies return to work policy is too, because if they do decide that you need to be in the office in some capacity, they're going to go back to their home base where their offices are, and they won't be able to kind of settle roots in other places. Just a side anecdote about companies and their attitude towards um, return to work. I know, for example, Facebook was one of the first ones to say, hey, we're going to let people remote work for as long as possible. But then they were also the first ones to reopen offices in the Bay Area and ask people to come back in as early return to work candidates. I think they did it as early as May. Um, So some people have kind of gone back on some of their promises to some capacity. I don't know the nuance of, you know, if they actually lied to their employees or not. Versus I know other companies like <laughs> Spotify, they've gone full remote and they and they also promise to offer competitive pay um, regardless of where you're at. So their Spotify employees are starting to consider moving to other areas outside of New York, I think is where their headquarters are. Yeah, lots of interesting dynamics there. I, I, I know like... Um, most companies don't want to be the leader in the space of hard line and saying, you know, we're going full-time hybrid or full-time remote. So I think it will be interesting to see all of like the backtracking that some companies might do as, as, as they make these micro adjustments. And then another point to you of just looking at the broader real estate market and what the future of work is doing. I was actually reading in the Wall Street Journal today. It's like, you know, uh, mid-June 2021. And there was a really interesting ready to uh ready to rent suburb houses uh that are just i guess taking off like wild where in like suburbs of like phoenix or other like you know areas like austin instead of actually having homes that are single family homes for for purchase there are actually single family homes for for renting so people that don't want to necessarily commit to an area it's an option for them to you know have a two bedroom house but all of the same benefits of the suburb so it, it's kind of interesting to see instead of that you know traditional big box millennial um, apartment complex above like a Trader Joe's in like downtown it, it's that in a suburb, you know, 20 minutes out of the city. So it's, I think, a lot of interesting dynamics that are going on with the the real estate industry. So yeah, I know that um, the traditional sentiment is that people want to buy their houses, like one of the first things that you're supposed to do as a young adult, but it's been more and more difficult with the booming housing rise and the pricing of housing with kind of the same or stagnation of, for example, the minimum wage number and people being able to afford a home. It's just been, you know, there's a really big disparity with inventory versus what people can afford. In in general, I've also seen a big movement of people to continue renting or starting to rent as a lifelong thing. And someone that's been semi-vocal about this or one of the first instances I saw was actually on Khan Academy. For those of you that aren't aware, Khan Academy is kind of like a free online learning platform or course that was started by this guy named Salman Khan, who's super, super intelligent. And he kind of walked through why it's actually smarter to rent in some instances versus buy. And he said he himself was a home renter versus a home buyer. I don't know if that's still the case and he still is renting his home, but I thought that was really interesting. There's definitely some people that are interested in renting for the long term, especially if they think that they're uh, going to be maybe moving locations or trying out different areas from time to time. But I do think it's really hard if you have a kid or if you have you know children and you want to keep them in kind of the same environment for a long time, it's probably really difficult to rent if the main intent is for you to move around. If you're renting knowing that, hey, like I don't want to 
pay for any repair services or I want to know exactly what my rent is over time. Well, that changes too, I guess, because it's lease by lease. But yeah, I don't, I'm not exactly sure why you would want to rent in the long term, but some people just like the flexibility, I suppose. Totally. No, I, I think the my favorite saying on this, and I forget who said it, it might have been um, Ramit Sethi of I Will Teach You To Be Rich, um, that you're either renting money or you're renting a roof. And so I, I think that, you know, <laughs> all in all, it's it's likely going to be a wash. It's definitely one of the biggest expenses that you're going to have is housing. But um, I think that you kind of have to decouple the, the investment definitely um, kind of ingrained in like older, like boomer type generations of like, because it's going to like, <laughs> you know, quintuple in value and, you know, renting is stupid because that's not necessarily always the uh, the case. I think my favorite calculator for this is the the New Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite calculator for this is the New York Times uh, rent versus calculator, which you can actually type in like your location and um, all these different variables, and it'll spit out to tell you, hey, like you know, over three years if you're going to stay in the same place, you should buy um, rent. So I think it's a, an ever present uh, discussion. It's interesting, you know, tying this back to Zillow, how Zillow mm-hmm. kind of hedges again a little bit is. They also do Zestimates for uh, for renting and for also they offer um, not just like a marketplace that you can search for house purchase, but also also houses and apartments to, to, to rent. Um, I know that I haven't used it as a as a tool to, to look for for rental in all the different apartments I've looked for heavily. I, I lean into other tools like, you know, Craigslist or Padmapper, um, but I have seen like those rentals uh, available on Zillow. Yeah, let's talk about how Zillow came to be. So it was founded in 2006 by Rich Barton and Lloyd Frank, who are both ex-Microsoft executives. And they previously founded Expedia, which is obviously really interesting because they were in kind of like this rental or like hotel booking space. Um, And also Spencer Raskoff, who is co-founder of Hotwire.com, and David Beadle and Kristen Acker. So there's a large team. A lot of them had kind of expertise in this real estate or hotel space before. Um, Zillow's website launched in 2006, shortly after founding. In 2010, Raskoff was named the CEO and Barton stayed as an executive chairman. In 2018, eight years later, Zillow entered on-demand home buying. So like you mentioned, Zillow offers. In 2019, Barton returned as a CEO. 2018, they expanded to Canada by partnering with Century 21st Canada. And in 2020, there was obviously a hiring freeze due to COVID-19 and people not wanting to buy houses. One large interesting acquisition was in 2014, they acquired Trulia for $3.5 billion. Uh, So if you ever think to yourselves, uh, what's the difference between Zillow and Trulia? There's not much because they are all under the same umbrella and same roof. Um... But their history is a pretty, you know, vanilla one. There's not that many things that are super, super crazy. I think it's a good representation of the real estate market. It's slow and steady. There's not that much innovation. But there are some things here that are to be said where people clearly saw the value in Zillow because they were able to make enough money to purchase another competitor like Trulia. Yeah, totally. And I think just like the the, the founding story of, of Zillow is really cool. I mean, just like the amount of high power folks, you know, people that founded Expedia, ex-Microsoft executives. Um, it just makes you like wonder, like coming from Seattle, much like, I guess, wealth creation and also just general like value creation occurred by, you know, by different executives at, at these like tech startups in different areas. And, you know, Zillow is one of the byproducts. It's, it's also interesting from a timing perspective that they launched in 2006 because, that's when the real estate market was absolute bonkers. And for, for context for our listeners, that was um, 
for anyone that's seen the big short, you know, money was essentially to get. So um, the housing market was growing just wildly. And, and it turns out that it was banks underwriting loans that people couldn't pay back. Um, but yeah, it was just a time of just everyone was buying. It's really fortuitous time mm-hmm. for Zillow to launch in 2006. Um, and they've definitely been able to sustain over the past, you know, what is it, 15, 16 years uh, since then. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I think a lot of people get to the age where you're looking at houses or even renters will look at Zillow and they know what Zillow is, but they don't realize how Zillow makes money. So <laughs> it's good that you mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of it has to do with people putting up ads on the platform, just getting the eyeballs, being able to, you know, put your home up for rent or for sale uh, and for people to be able to see that house on Zillow. I am curious, though, I've never sold a home, but, you know, does... Is that done through your realtor partner and do they do it on your behalf? And are there houses that just end up not being listed in Zillow if you don't pay them or how does that work? Or maybe it's just priority. Yeah. So I can speak a little bit to this. It's definitely been a while, but I actually was a licensed real estate agent in New York state in 2007. So I was um, like right after high school in 2007, um, I got my um, real estate license and went through the whole like week long. It's like a 40 hour course. Mm. You have to be sponsored by a real estate broker. So I was actually, my real estate broker was Century 21, that actually Emily friend. And and the whole like output of this is my friend when I was a contractor and he's like, hey, I bought a subdevelopment. You two can sell it. So imagine like these like $350,000 homes. Oh, and, interesting. You know, I'm taking like a 3% cut yeah. off of this. Um, so like, you know, 10 grand per home. It was going to be, I was like super excited. I'm eight years old. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to do this. And then uh, the market crashed in 2008 <laughs> and I didn't sell a single home. But a lot of my work was, you know, because I was technically working at 321 is there was no salary. So mm-hmm. it's all pure commission, you know, of like, you're, you're like the ultimate yeah. salesperson, like you have to be making deals to bring in income. And so um, one of my first tasks was updating like the I'm blanking on what that stands for. But the MLS is essentially the the database of homes that all these real estate agents put mm-hmm. the home details into. So it's kind of yeah. like the back end of Zillow. And so not everything that's MLS listed gets pushed I to see. Zillow. Um, because Zillow yeah, is more of just like a, that marketing tool, like but one of my jobs, yeah. exactly. And one of my jobs, Sunday mornings, I would go in and update like anything uh, that came across the desk into the MLS. And then I would also like, like, then I would like drive over to a house and show a home. And so that had to be like the, just like another anecdote off that it had to be like the weirdest thing. To yeah. Trying to sell like a house. <laughs> 18 year old kid, just like trying to sell you this house. Um, but it was really interesting because it was really hard to um, to market to people. You know, it's like we have this whole list of, you know, MLS listings and getting to the people was, was really interesting. And a lot of it was was word of mouth. Um, one of like the most successful real estate agents, um, Amy, the woman that is our like my broker that sponsored, um, she was just everywhere. Like she made a point to make sure she was different um, uh you know, like sponsoring different, like anything from all the way up front listings, you know, like if you have those like paper, uh, like listed uh-huh. where yeah. it's like almost like the menu or the, the, the place setting, th- things like that. So it's super interesting how much of a buckshot approach, but she had it dialed into a science and was able to just get that, you know, once you get a, a solid customer base, right. they keep, they yeah. come back to you because they, they trust you after, after a while. So yeah, that, that that's like, um, my little like thinking on like, the value that Zillow was adding on top of MLS is really just 
driving eyeballs to to home. So I think it's it's kind of like it would almost be silly if you are a real estate agent to not post on Zillow just because it's just another avenue. Yeah, for sure. It's just like the default, yeah, default way to do it. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's funny because um when we got our realtor, we were buying a new build and so it makes a lot of sense when you're getting a realtor for like a rebuy home because the price is negotiable. They might understand the area a bit more and what the actual cost is. But with new builds, it's a little bit harder to negotiate on the price um, just because they they know there's high demand. Especially in California, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. We really just got a realtor because there was like a Zillow kickback and they said that they'd give you back like, I can't remember how much it was, a couple grand. Uh, and, And basically what happens is when you buy with a new build, and I think this is with any build, but some of the closing costs goes directly to the, the real estate agent. Whenever you talk about paying the closing costs, it's not actually that you pay the seller, but actually a portion of it goes to your real estate agent for like a finder's mm-hmm. fee. Um, and sometimes they'll like kind of negotiate with you and say that, oh, we're going to cut down on this number or whatever, but they actually cannot cut down on the finder's fee. Um, there's some rule around it. That's why the real estate agent themselves can negotiate on that portion of it. It's on their behalf. So they can say, oh, like, let me... If I help you find this thing and you give me a good, you know, testimonial, maybe I'll give you a kickback. So that's why you see like people that go through friends and family, they might give them back a portion. It's the portion that they actually pay them directly from the closing costs. There's like some weird thing around it. And, and essentially that's what Redfin does. Like they basically take a portion of the money that was allocated to them, the real estate agent, and they give it back to so just like a rebate basically. Yeah. And it, it makes total sense. It's just like, how do we make the market more efficient? Because like at that point, like what work did the real estate agent truly do? (laughs) You know, it's just like, I found this on Zillow and I told you to put this offer in, like, why am I giving you, you know, two and a half (laughs) percent? So it's interesting where like these tech tools kind of eliminate that or at least like transfer that and just make it more efficient and give a little bit to the tech company and put more money into the, into the customer's pockets. Yeah, our, our real estate agent made an awesome quick buck because we literally just hired him so that we can get the rebate and it was like a little bit cheaper for us, but he didn't really, I mean, it was a new bill. There wasn't anything to negotiate. <laughs> you know, there wasn't like, you know, we didn't have to go in with no contingencies or anything because it's, it's a new build. And so there's just a lot of things that he didn't really need to do or explain. Um, and he was just there to kind of guide us or, uh, along the process and answer a couple questions, but there wasn't anything too sketchy. So yeah, it was like kind of an easy you know, whatever, two or 3% for him. Yeah. And I definitely think it's broken in, at least in the, especially in the rental markets. Like I lived in Boston for nearly five years and Boston, for some reason, I don't know why they charge a broker fee that's equivalent to one month's rent for any apartment transaction that you have. So it's crazy because like you find this like ad on Craigslist, like the real estate or the the broker agent Mm -hmm. essentially did nothing. But you have to pay them if it's like, you know, $2,500 apartment, you pay them $2,500 just for Jeez. signing the paperwork. Yeah. It's like, and I know it's the same in New York City. And I don't know if it's like that in other cities, but it's just so painful and was always so, so frustrating. So we can talk about who Zillow is for. So I think, you know, we talked a lot about it's obviously for folks that are, you know, looking for houses. I, I think that, you know, really what Zillow is for is it's if you're looking at the specific demographic of customer it's, it's really for millennials that are feeling that, you know, pain of monthly rent in the big city and having that dream of a 3,000 square foot home in the suburbs. I know that, yeah, exactly, that, that is us. And there's a ton of us that, that are out there. Zillow has 173 million average unique monthly users. So that's like over half of the yeah, US geez. going to Zillow 
every single month. And that's just like, that's a lot of eyeballs that are driving, yeah. that are driving traffic to this. And, you know, there's a whole like, you know, joke Twitter accounts dedicated to Zillow. I, I think I've seen one where it's just like some bot or some, someone that posts like, he finds he or she finds really funny Zillow or really interesting houses and posts them on Twitter. I think the most recent one that I saw was it was a house in Pittsburgh that every room was different. And I might it might have came uh-huh. across this through like a Reddit post or whatever or something like that. But it was like the first room you got in and it was like each theme. <laughs> and then like the second theme, it was like a spaceship. And then the third room, it was like something else. And then the fourth was like Wild West. And it just kept getting weirder and weirder. But it was like it was like well done. Oh, really? Like, it wasn't just like someone just like put like yeah. beach stuff up. It was like, like we put sand in, like, oh, wow. in the basement and like there's like, you know, beach umbrellas in here. Um, so definitely lots of interest in, in Zillow. I think it's fun to, to look at homes. It's exciting for anyone that's in, in the market for a house. I'm really interested to see what percentage of folks, like you're right, 173 million is about half the US population, but like there's already a good chunk of those that are adults. So the percentage is even higher than fifty percent because you know some yeah. of those, some of those three hundred million that's in the U.S. are just are children. They're not of home buying age. Maybe they're searching homes for fun. I don't know. Um, you know <laughs> some six year old on an iPad yeah. saying, "Dad, I, I want this." And yeah, so it, it's really interesting too. And that number, that statistic doesn't surprise me at all. I think the average American moves homes nearly a dozen times in their life. I think it's something like 11.5 or 11.7 times according to the US census. So, you know, it's a frequent occurrence for 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 folks to move home. So, if you know, you think the average life expectancy is like 70, 75, we're looking at, you know, every like 5 to 7 years someone's going to buy a new house. So, not definitely not surprising. I think I'm at like 11 <laughs> right at 11 since college. Yeah, I think I like I'm also really high up. I'm, I think I'm like somewhere like 12 and 13 it it gets even higher if you you count all like the internships i had from like grad school and and undergrad but taking those out and just like pure apartments it's like yeah it's 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 crazy it's it's painful because i think of like getting a u-haul and all of the other nonsense (laughs) that's it used to be easy though like i i think in college i can like pack everything in a car and just move from place to place i just needed like a truck to borrow a truck for like the bed or whatever but then um, whenever I got married and we bought the house, it was like, whoa, we have way more stuff now because not only do you have your stuff, your own personal stuff, you have your significant other's personal stuff, but then you have collective like large items uh, <laughs> that you need to move. So it, it compounds pretty quickly. It's going to be a lot harder for us to move to our next home whenever that happens. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally hear you. My fiance and I have moved uh, across country twice. And so it was not fun either time of yeah. going from like East Coast to the West Coast and then from back from like West Coast to East Coast. And who knows what the what the next the next move will will, will take me. In terms of like the, the size of the opportunity that Zillow is going after, I mean, if we're just talking of like, you know, we talked a lot about advertising and getting eyeballs to, to homes. The U.S. spends a ton of money trying to do that. And I think I mentioned what the real estate agent that I was my uh, broker sponsor, you know, from all the different advertising she was doing. All that adds up. You know, the U.S. is spending $19 billion in real estate related advertising every single year, which is just a massive number. You know, if you think about like an inefficient market, or maybe that is an efficient market, I have no idea, but it's, it's just like a huge number of, you know, that Zillow can sell into. And so not just with their eyeballs that are like Zillow's trying to get customers to do, to, to look to, I think. Their other product offerings like Zillow mm. offers and some of their mortgage lending is really smart play because 
$19 billion is like a drop in the bucket compared to the $1.9 trillion worth of annual home sales that occur in the US. So, you know, even just like the tiniest percentage of that $1.9 trillion to tap into is just a massive, you know, massive market. So I, I think Zillow is doing the right thing by going after all of these different products. And, and you can see it in how Zillow self segments in the 2019 annual Zillow report. They have four distinct customer groups that they're building Zillow for. They have first is the sellers. So if you have a home and you want to sell it, that's one group. The second is buyers who Jeff and I, I think is like the easiest yeah. to grok is like, hey, I'm looking for a home, you know, let's go to Zillow. And then there's renters and borrowers that they also see as two massive groups that are poised for for an interesting opportunity. So um, all in, I think it's, Zillow is at the point where it's definitely for uh, the masses, Um so it's hard to get down to like the specifics of like one specific customer segment outside of someone that's just looking for a home. Yeah, for sure. And what's really interesting too is that they are probably one of the leaders in the space, if not the leader. So in terms of competitors, there's Redfin, which I mentioned that I used um, when I purchased my home only because they had a kickback. But obviously, we did look at houses through Zillow and Trulia. It just felt like I just used whatever was available or whatever I remembered at the time. I don't know of any specific um, differences between the platforms, like all these sort of real estate aggregate platforms. Um, so I just use whatever they have. And I, I'll even look at the same address across all three to see if there's any information that one platform has that the other one doesn't. Because it's so readily available, you don't have to sign in to see anything a lot of the times. There's HomeSnap, there's Neighborhood Scout, which gives you neighborhood info. There's Nextdoor, which is community news and neighborhood um, news. There's Realtor.com, which is really funny because that is such a blast from the past. I remember all these like Realtor.com what are they called? Like those yeah. little like lawn signs that you'd see whenever somebody would be like, I'm selling this house or this house is for sale. And you'd see like realtor.com on it in <laughs> um, people's yards. And then there's auction.com, which is a little bit more interesting. They, they're a housing auction specific uh, website. So probably more for like foreclosures and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Well, we can talk about our, our thoughts of Zillow. Like I'm super bullish on Zillow. I, I love shopping for houses, looking for houses and just dreaming of like the future. So I would say that let's talk this at like, let's, let's call this like a 4.3 out of five for wow, me. Yeah. So one of the, definitely one of the higher products that we've reviewed. And, and the reason for that is just, you get all the details that you need to just think through of like, Hey, do I, do I want to buy this house? And is this right for me? And you can kind of, you know, strip out a lot of, a lot of ambiguity. Like I think before in the days of just like driving past a neighborhood, you know, looking for house signs. Yeah. Like I have no idea how people shop for houses back in the day. <laughs> you know, it's just wild. And maybe even just like, and maybe like a step up from that was going to different, you know, supermarkets and seeing all those like housing ads and saying, Hey, well, this, ho this house is for sale, but it's like so static. It was like one photo with like six details on it, like not enough information. Um, so I just love what Zillow has been able to do, not just for the details of a house, but also getting a better idea of, of the market. I think that's like just made it so much more transparent. So if you're, if you're, you know, a buyer looking for a house, you're not going to be surprised because something's going to cost like way more um, than you actually thought it was going to. You can see like, oh, like the house, like four streets down actually sold for, you know, $420,000 at, you know, $160 per square foot. And you can get all of those details. So. I really like what they're doing. I think it's really brilliant too that they're moving into, you know, Zillow offers and offering all these other tools because it's just a huge market for for Zillow to to tap into. So I think they're going about like their product strategy and their their roadmap the the right way is like, hey, let's let's go let's build the we have all these eyeballs now, like let's start to monetize this in different different ways. 
Yeah, I love it. And I agree with a lot of the sentiments. So for me, I'm going to give Zillow like a 4.1. It's interesting that you mentioned what the pain was like before Zillow. And I didn't even think about that because when we were kids, I remember my parents flipping through real estate books. I remember these signs in yards. I remember driving around looking at places. I remember even in college, just trying to figure out what was around, what could I rent? And it was pretty sparse on the internet. And you had to kind of figure out like, hey, who's renting? And maybe even on Craigslist. And, you know, obviously Craigslist only get like people only post a couple pictures and they're all really shoddy or or they're like overdone. What I like about Zillow is that it does provide all that information for you. All the pictures are super, super valuable. You even get price history data. Has a home sold multiple times or been purchased? What the prices were at? It gives you historical data into what's happened. I, I think all that's really, really valuable and, and really good information to help you decide on whether that, that's the right home for you. And it's so easy, right? Like you just pick a neighborhood or pick a, an area and a map, and then all the different options of homes that are being sold just pop up for you. And you know, instead of having to walk from house to house or drive around, you're literally just clicking through hundreds of homes. It's really quickly making a decision and you can reach out really simply. So it's just really connected people on a, on a different level and allows you to you know tour the home without ever having to step foot in it, or at least getting a good sense before you're able to decide that you physically want to commit to visiting that place. So 4.1 for me. I love it. Well, those are our thoughts on Zillow and we'd love to hear from you, our audience. So definitely reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ProdX Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.